Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Stood still, 
What is the matter? asked Petro. We are going to enter the kingdom of the goddess Mercury, and the further we ride into it, the colder we shall get. But all along the road there are huge fires, and I dread lest you should stop and warm yourself at them. And why should I not warm myself? Just take my word for it, replied the horse sadly. Well, forward then, cried Petru lightly, and if I have to bear cold, I must bear it. With every step they went into the kingdom of Mercury, the air grew colder and more icy, till even the marrow in their bones felt frozen. But Petru was no coward. The fight he had gone through had strengthened his powers of endurance, and he stood the test bravely. Along the road on each side were great fires, with men standing by them, who spoke pleasantly to Petru as he went by and invited him to join them. His breath froze in his mouth, but he took no notice, only bade his horse ride on the faster. How long Petru may have waged battle silently with the cold, one cannot tell, for everybody knows that the kingdom of Mercury is not to be crossed in a day. But he struggled on, though the rocks were so cold they burst all around, and though his teeth chattered, and even his eyelashes had frosted over. At length they reached the dwelling of Mercury herself, and, jumping from his horse, Petru threw the reins over his horse's neck and entered the hut. Good day, little mother, said he. Very well, thank you, my frozen friend. Petru laughed and waited for her to speak. You have borne yourself bravely, went on the goddess, tapping him on the shoulder. Now you shall have your reward. And she opened an iron chest, out of which she took a little box. Look, said she, this little box has been lying here for ages, waiting for the man who could win his way through the ice kingdom. Take it and treasure it, for some day it may help you. If you open it, it will tell you anything you want and give you news of your fatherland. Petru thanked her gratefully for her gift, mounted his horse, and rode away. When he was some distance from the hut, he opened the box. What are your commands? asked a voice inside. Give me news of my father, he replied. He is sitting in council with his nobles, answered the box. Is he well? Not particularly, for he is furiously angry. What has angered him? 
your brothers, Costin and Floria, replied the box. It seems to me they are trying to rule him and the kingdom as well, and the old man says they are not fit to do it. Push on, good horse, for we have no time to lose, cried Petru, and he shut up the box and put it in his pocket. They rushed on fast as whirlwinds, and how long they rode no man can tell, for the way is far. Stop, I have some advice to give you, said the horse at last. What is it? asked Petru. You have known what it is to suffer cold. You will have to endure heat, such as you have never dreamed of. Be as brave now as you were then. Let no one tempt you to try to cool yourself, or evil will befall you. Four words, answered Petru. Do not worry yourself. If I have escaped without being frozen, there is no chance of my melting. Why not? This is a heat that is only to be felt in the kingdom of the goddess of thunder. And it was hot. The very iron of the horse's shoes began to melt, but Petru gave no heed. The sweat ran down his face, but he dried it with his gauntlet. What heat could be he never knew before, and on the way, not a stone's throw from the road, lay the most delicious valleys, full of shady trees and bubbling streams. When Petru looked at them, his heart burned within him, and his mouth grew parched, and standing among the flowers were lovely maidens who called to him in soft voices, till he had to shut his eyes against their spells. Come, my hero, come and rest, said they. Petru shook his head and said nothing, for he had lost the power of speech. Long he rode, how long none can tell. Suddenly the heat seemed to become less, and, in the distance, he saw a little hut on a hill. This was the dwelling of the goddess of thunder and when he drew rain at her door, the goddess herself came out to meet him. She welcomed him and kindly invited him in and bade him tell her all his adventures. So Petru told her all that had happened to him and why he was there, and then took farewell of her as he had no time to lose. For, he said, who knows how far the fairy of the dawn may be. Stay for one moment, for I have a word of advice to give you. You are about to enter the kingdom of Venus. Go and tell her, as a message from me, that I hope she will not tempt you to delay. On your way back, come to me again, and I will give you something that may be of use to you. So, Petru mounted his horse and had hardly ridden three steps when he found himself in a new country.
Here it was neither hot nor cold, but the air was warm and soft like spring, though the way ran through a heath covered with sand and thistles. What can that be? asked Petru, when he saw a long, long way off, at the very end of the heath, something resembling a house. That is the house of the goddess of Venus, replied the horse, and if we ride hard, we may reach it before dark. And he darted off like an arrow, so that as twilight fell, they found themselves nearing the house. Petru's heart leaped at the sight, for all the way along he had been followed by a crowd of shadowy figures who danced about him from right to left and from back to front. They won't hurt you, said the horse. They are just the daughters of the whirlwind amusing themselves while they are waiting for the ogre of the moon. Then he stopped in front of the house, and Petru jumped off and went to the door. Do not be in such a hurry, cried the horse. There are several things I must tell you first. You cannot enter the house of the goddess Venus like that. She is always watched and guarded by the whirlwind. What am I to do then? Take the copper wreath and go with it to that little hill over there. When you reach it, say to yourself, Were there ever such lovely maidens, such angels, such fairy souls? Then hold the wreath high in the air and cry, Oh, if I knew whether anyone would accept this wreath from me, if I knew, if I only knew, and throw the wreath from you. And why should I do all of this? said Petro. Ask no questions, but go and do it, replied the horse. And Petru did. Scarcely had he flung away the copper wreath than the whirlwind flung himself upon it and tore it in pieces. Then Petru turned once more to the horse. Stop, cried the horse again. I have other things to tell you. Take the silver wreath and knock at the windows of the goddess Venus. When she says, Who is there? Answer that you have come on foot and lost your way on the heath. She will then tell you to go your way back again. But take care not to stir from the spot. Instead, be sure you say to her, No, indeed I shall do nothing of the sort, as from my childhood I have heard stories of the beauty of the goddess Venus. And it was not for nothing that I had shoes made of leather with soles of steel and have traveled for nine years and nine months and have won in battle with silver wreath, which I hope you may allow me to give you, and have done and suffered everything to be where I am now. This is what you must say. What happens after is your affair. 
Petru asked no more, but went towards the house. By the time it was pitch dark, and there was only the ray of light that streamed through the windows to guide him, and at the sound of his footsteps, two dogs began to bark. Who is making my dogs bark? Is he tired of life? asked the goddess Venus. It is I, O goddess, replied Petru, rather timidly. I have lost my way on the heath, and do not know where I am to sleep this night. Where did you leave your horse? asked the goddess sharply. Petru did not answer. He was not sure if he was to lie, or whether he had better tell the truth. Go away, my son. There is no place for you here, replied she, drawing back from the window. Then Petru repeated hastily what the horse had told him to say, and no sooner had he done so than the goddess opened the window, and in gentle tones she asked him, Let me see this wreath, my son, and Petru held it out to her. Come into my house, went on the goddess. My dogs are friendly, and they always know my will. And so they did, for as the young man passed, they wagged their tails to him. Good evening, said Petru as he entered the house, and, seating himself near the fire, listened comfortably to whatever the goddess might choose to talk about, which was for the most part the wickedness of men, with whom she was evidently angry. But Petru agreed with her in everything, as he had been taught that was only polite. But was anybody ever so old as she? The goddess had so many wrinkles, you could never count them all. But Venus was joyful in her heart. Nothing was that is, and the world was not a world when I was born, said she. When I grew up, and the world came into being, everyone thought I was the most beautiful girl that ever was seen, though many hated me for it. But every hundred years they came a wrinkle on my face, and now I am old. Then she went on to tell Petru that she was the daughter of an emperor, and their nearest neighbor was the fairy of the dawn, with whom she had had a quarrel. Petru did not know what to do. He listened in silence for the most part, but now and then he would say, Yes, yes, you must have been badly treated. Just for politeness sake, what more could he do? I will give you a task to perform, for you are brave and will carry it through, continued Venus, when she had talked a long time and both of them were getting sleepy. Close to the fairy's house is a well, and whoever drinks from it will blossom again like a rose. Bring me a flagon of it, and I will do anything to prove my gratitude. It's not easy. No one knows 
that better than I do. The kingdom is guarded on every side by wild beasts and dragons, but I will tell you more about that, and I also have something to give you. Then she rose and lifted the lid of an iron-bound chest and took out of it a very tiny flute. Do you see this? she asked. An old man gave it to me when I was young. Whoever listens to this flute goes to sleep, and nothing can wake him. Take it and play on it as long as you remain in the kingdom of the fairy of the dawn, and you will be safe. At this, Petru told her that he had another task to fulfill at the well of the fairy of the dawn, and Venus was still better pleased when she heard this tale from him. So Petru bade her good night, put the flute in its case, and laid himself down in the lowest chamber to sleep. Before the dawn he was awake again, and his first care was to give to each of his horses as much corn as they could eat, and then to lead them to the well to water. Then he dressed himself and made ready to start. Stop, cried Venus from her window. I have still a piece of advice to give you. Leave one of your horses here and only take three. Ride slowly till you get to the fairy's kingdom, then dismount and go on foot. When you return, see that all your three horses remain on the road while you walk. But above all, beware never to look the fairy of the dawn in the face, for she has eyes that will bewitch you and glances that will befool you. She is more bizarre than anything you can imagine, with owl's eyes, foxy face, and cat's claws. Do you hear? Be sure you never look at her. Petru thanked her and managed to get off at last. Far, far away, where the heavens touch the earth, where the stars kiss the flowers, a soft red light was seen, such as the sky sometimes has in spring, only lovelier, more wonderful. That light was behind the palace of the fairy of the dawn, and it took Petru two days and nights through flowery meadows to reach it, and besides, it was neither hot nor cold, bright nor dark, but something of them all, and Petru did not find the way a step too long. After some time, Petru saw something white rise up out of the red of the sky, and when he drew nearer, he saw it was a castle, and so splendid that his eyes were dazzled when they looked at it. He did not know there was such a beautiful castle in the world. But no time was to be lost, so he shook himself, jumped down from his horse, and, 
leaving him on the dewy grass, began to play on his flute as he walked along. He had hardly gone many steps when he stumbled over a large giant who had been lulled to sleep by the music. This was one of the guards of the castle. As he lay there on his back, he seemed so big that in spite of Petru's haste, he stopped to measure him. The further went Petru, the more strange were the sights he saw. Lions, tigers, dragons with seven heads, all stretched out in the sun, fast asleep. Petru ran through them like the wind. At last he came to a river, but let nobody think for a moment that this river was like our rivers. Instead of water, there flowed milk, and the bottom was of precious stones and pearls, instead of sand and pebbles. And it ran, neither fast nor slow, but both fast and slow together. And the river flowed round the castle, and on its banks slept lions with iron teeth and claws, and beyond were gardens, such as only the fairy of the dawn can have, and on the flowers slept a fairy, All this saw Petru from the other side. But how was he to get over the river? To be sure, there was a bridge, but even if it had not been guarded by sleeping lions, it was plainly not meant for man to walk on. Who could tell what it was made of? It looked like soft little woolly clouds. So he stood thinking what was to be done. Forget across, he must. After a while, he determined to take the risk and strode back to the sleeping giant. Wake up, brave man, he cried, giving him a shake. The giant woke and stretched out his hand to pick up Petru, just as we should catch a fly. But Petru played on his flute and the giant fell back again. Petru tried this three times, and when he was satisfied that the giant was really in his power, he took out a handkerchief, bound the two little fingers of the giant together, drew his sword, and cried for the fourth time, Wake up, brave man! When the giant saw the trick which had been played on him, He said to Petru, Do you call this a fair fight? Fight according to rules, if you really are a hero. I will by and by, but first I want to ask you a question. Will you swear that you will carry me over the river if I fight honorably with you? And the giant swore. When his hands were freed, the giant flung himself upon Petru, hoping to crush him by his weight. But he had met his match. It was not yesterday, nor the day before, that Petru had fought his first battle, and he bore himself bravely. For three days and three nights, 
the battle raged, but finally Petru had the upper hand. Let me go, let me go, shrieked the giant. I own that I am beaten. Will you take me over the river? asked Petru. I will, gasped the giant. Very well, said Petru, and he bound the giant's left hand to his right foot, tied one handkerchief round his mouth to prevent him crying out, and another round his eyes, and led him to the river. Once they had reached the bank, he stretched one leg over to the other side, and, catching up, Petru in the palm of his hand, set him down on the further shore. That is all right, said Petru. Then he played a few notes on his flute, and the giant went to sleep again. Even the fairies who had been bathing a little lower down heard the music and fell asleep among the flowers on the bank. Petru saw them as he passed and thought, If they are so beautiful, why should the fairy of the dawn be so ugly? But he dared not linger and pushed on. And now he was in the wonderful gardens, which seemed more wonderful still than they had done from afar. But Petru could see no faded flowers nor any birds as he hastened through them to the castle. No one was there to bar his way, for all were asleep. Even the leaves had ceased to move. He passed through the courtyard and entered the castle itself. Gold and precious stones at this palace were as common as wood with us, and the stables where the horses of the sun were kept were more splendid than the palace of the greatest emperor in the world. Petru went up the stairs and walked quickly through forty-eight rooms, hung with silk and all empty. In the forty-ninth room, he found the fairy of the dawn herself. In the middle of this room, which is as large as a church, Petru saw the celebrated well that he had come so far to seek. It was a well just like other wells, and it seemed strange that the fairy of the dawn should have it in her own chamber. Yet anyone could tell it had been there for hundreds of years. And by the well slept the fairy of the dawn. And as Petru looked at her, the magic flute dropped by his side, and he held his breath. Near the well was a table, on which stood bread, made with doe's milk, and a flagon of wine. It was the bread of strength, and the wine of youth, and Petru longed for them. He looked once at the bread, and once at the wine, and then at the fairy of the dawn, still sleeping, on her silken cushions. As he looked, a mist came over his senses. The fairy opened her eyes slowly 
and looked at Petru, who lost his head still further, but he just managed to remember his flute, and a few notes of it sent the fairy to sleep again, and he kissed her on the cheek three times. Then he stooped and laid his golden wreath upon her forehead, ate a piece of the bread, and drank a cupful of the wine of youth, and this he did three times over. Then he filled a flask with water from the well and vanished. He passed through the garden. It seemed quite different this time from what it was like before. The flowers were lovelier. The streams ran quicker. The sunbeams shone brighter. And the fairies seemed happier. And all this had been caused by the three kisses Petru had given the fairy of the dawn. He passed everything safely by and was soon seated in his saddle again, faster than the wind, faster than thought, faster than longing, rode Petru. At length he dismounted and, leaving his horse at the roadside, went on foot to the house of Venus. The goddess Venus knew that he was coming and went to meet him, bearing with her white bread and red wine. Welcome back, my prince, said she. Good day and many thanks, replied the young man, holding out the flask containing the magic water. She received it with joy, and after a short rest Petru sent forth, for he had no time to lose. He stopped a few minutes, as he had promised, with the goddess of thunder, and was taking a hasty farewell of her when she called him back. Stay, I have a warning to give you, said she. Beware of your life, make friends with no man, do not ride fast, or let the water go out of your hand, believe no one, and flee flattering tongues. Go and take care, for the way is long, and you hold something very precious. I will give you this cloth to help you. It is not much to look at, but it is enchanted, and whoever carries it will never be struck by lightning, pierced by a lance, or smitten with a sword, and the arrows will glance off his body. Petru thanked her and rode off, taking out his treasure box. He inquired how matters were going at home. Not well, I'm afraid, it said. The emperor was now blind altogether, and Floria and Costin had besought him to give the government of the kingdom into their hands. But he would not, saying that he did not mean to resign the government till he had washed his eyes from the well of the fairy of the dawn. Then the brothers had gone to consult old Bersha, who told them that Petru was already on his way home bearing the water. They had set out to meet him, 
and would try to take the magic water from him and then claim as their reward the government of the empire. You are lying, cried Petru angrily, throwing the box on the ground, where it broke into a thousand pieces. It was not long before he began to catch glimpses of his native land, and he drew rain near a bridge, the better to look at it. He was still gazing when he heard a sound in the distance, as if someone was calling his name. You, Petru, it said. On, on, cried the horse. It will fare ill with you if you stop. No, let us stop and see who and what it is, answered Petru, turning his horse around and coming face to face with his two brothers. He had forgotten the warning given him by the goddess of thunder, and when Costin and Floria drew near with soft and flattering words, he jumped straight off his horse and rushed to embrace them. He had a thousand questions to ask and a thousand things to tell, but his brown horse stood hanging his head. Petro, my dear brother, at length said Floria, would it not be better if we carried the water for you? Someone might try to take it from you on the road while no one would suspect us. So it would, added Costin. Floria speaks well. But Petru shook his head and told them what the goddess of thunder had said and about the cloth she had given him. At a stone's throw from where they stood, a rushing stream ran with clear, deep pools. Don't you feel thirsty, Costin? asked Floria, winking at him. Yes, replied Costin, understanding directly what was wanted. Come, Petru, let us drink now that we have the chance, and then we will set out on our way home. It's a good thing you have us with you to protect you. The horse neighed, and Petru knew what he meant this time, and did not go with his brothers. No, he went directly home to his father, and cured his father's blindness. And as for his brothers, they never returned again. Petru ruled the empire with his father's assistance, and they lived happily ever after.